Each week, we gather together in church to ground ourselves in a community, to reflect on the ways that we got it wrong or right in the last week, to feel the love and support of others, and to remember to look beyond ourselves. Through the cycle of hymn and anthem, confession and forgiveness, prayer and poetry, bread and wine, we wake ourselves up to the lives that we are living and how we might share this common home that we call Earth. We get the chance to step back from the day-to-day joy and grind of reality and focus on something bigger. And then we are sent out in peace to love and serve Starting this week, we are what, in what the Anglican Church calls ordinary time. Some people say that's daft, as no time is more ordinary than any other. And other people say it's a useful reminder that if you can't find the divine when you're dressing down, you'll never find her when you're dressing up. But the voices of our friends around the world, especially living in the poorest communities, and a generation of young people, have long been telling us that this is no ordinary time. Their voices are echoed by a community whose first language is not English, not even words. A quiet generation of plants and trees, of oceans and rivers, of rapidly disappearing species of animals on land and in the sea. This is a time of climate and environmental crisis when the actions of the rich world over the last 100 years or so have created a problem that we will soon be unable to resolve. The climate is breaking down. And if we don't move swiftly towards a different way of powering and living our lives, we will cause irreversible damage to this unique world and risk the existence of humanity. Many human lives and many species of nature have already been lost. So during this season of no ordinary time, we come together to reflect on what is happening to this good earth that we share, to confess, to lament, to imagine, to resolve, to praise, and to go out with renewed hope to create a better future. God saw all that she had made, and it was very good. It's hard to know where to start when contemplating the end of civilization as we know it. So I thought I'd start at the beginning, when God saw all, all that she had made, and she declared it to be very good. There's so much to love about this passage. The poetry of a creation story that squeezes six million years of evolution into 30 verses the care and attention that God takes in creating things and then taking the time to appreciate them too. The emphasis that we are, each and every one of us, made in God's image, a reminder that if we fail to appreciate our own beauty and importance, we are denying God too. And that each and every one of us is equally as important as the other. But this passage has also been part of the problem in the Christian response to climate change and environmental protection. Some have read it as God giving creation to humanity to do with it what we want, rather than seeing us as part of a community of creation. And this mentality has led some of us 
particularly in recent times, to see the world as a resource to be used and abused rather than protected and enabled to flourish. In 2019, Earth Overshoot Day is the earliest ever, July 29th. This means that humanity is now using nature 1.75 times faster, as fast as the planet's ecosystems can regenerate. In other words, humanity is using 1.75 Earths. Carbon dioxide emissions currently make up 60% of humanity's demand on nature. The concept of Earth Overshoot Day was first conceived in 2006, and at that time, Earth Overshoot Day fell in October. Even as our understanding of consuming too much grows, we continue to consume more and more. The UK's Earth Overshoot Day is May 17th. If everyone lived as Londoners do, we would require three planet Earths to support us all. A more faithful reading of the Genesis passage is that humans, instructed by God to govern the Earth, have a responsibility to look after it as God intended, in a way that is consistent with God's will, to see ourselves as having a special place in relationship with creation and not over it. But climate breakdown isn't just a breakdown in relationships between humans and creation. It's also a result of, and is perpetuating, our breakdown in relationships with each other. Because if we believe that being made in God's image means that everybody is made in God's image, then it doesn't make sense to live in a way that puts other people's lives at risk. Back in March of this year, Cyclone Adai became one of the worst tropical cyclones on record to affect Africa and the Southern Hemisphere. The storm caused catastrophic damage in Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Malawi, leaving more than 1,200 people dead and thousands more missing. An entire city, the port town of Beira, with a population of half a million people, was almost completely destroyed. Bad things happen all the time in faraway places with unfamiliar names. Last month, a cyclone, somewhere else a flood. Our attention quickly moves on. With a die, it was a city larger than Cardiff or Edinburgh, simply washed off the map and it will almost certainly happen again. More heat in the oceans means extra storms for energy for storms, and Adai was the seventh of nine cyclones in the southern Indian Ocean this season, more than twice the usual average. Dipti Bhatnagar, a climate activist in Mozambique, is clear that this is not a natural phenomenon. We don't all have the same responsibility, and we don't all have the same capability. Those who created this crisis must now support those of us who do not have the capacity to deal with it while it's coming at us fast and hard. We are challenging our leaders right here in our countries, and we need people in the global north to challenge the leaders in your countries and to make the connections between our movements. We need to face up to the damage that has already been done to recognize our part in it, and to grieve the life that has already been lost. But we mustn't stop there. I hope that this is something that we can do well as a community of faith, 
a community that believes in forgiveness, in new life, and in new opportunities to put things right. So we must also find the resolve to change ourselves and our society, away from one built on extractivism and exploitation, towards one built on sustainability and equality. To create such a mammoth transformation is no easy task, and that is why the stories that we tell ourselves and each other are so important. The climate breakdown that we now face is as a result of burning too many fossil fuels and releasing too many warming gases into the atmosphere. And it is ultimately a crisis of the imagination. We have all of the evidence that we need about what is causing the problem, and most of the evidence that we need about how to fix it. And yet we haven't come to a place where solving the crisis seems possible or even likely. Theology and faith at their best can help us to see clearly and face up to our experiences, clearing away the mechanisms that we use to hide from the truth about ourselves and the world. Faith can help us to discern the meaning of an experience and to find ways to respond that bring life to others and be faithful to what we know about God. We all need those people who help us to see the truth from which we might be tempted to turn and to find a source of hope. We have often called the people who can do this for us prophets. They help us to discern the truth and to act upon it. But prophets are sometimes unpopular, especially with those who have too much to lose if things change. And yet they consistently and without fear speak out. Sometimes people think that they're mad. Sometimes they're indulged as though they're naive. All of this happened to prophets in the Bible, and all of it still happens to truth-tellers in the world today. But prophets are not just doomsayers, for they also bring us a joyful and hopeful vision of a new world. The Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann has taught us to celebrate the prophetic imagination and to look for those who offer us a, renewed, a vision of a renewed world. Prophets call people to behave differently, to do what is right, and they help us to face up, the, up to the future that we are walking towards and creating. But even more than these things, they show us what a renewed humanity and a renewed earth, a different present and a different future might look like. And they believe that these things could indeed come to be. They know how hard we find, we find it to see this and how our own interests blind us. But they can also make vivid a hopeful vision of a different future with a peaceful earth in which all may celebrate and share the gifts of life. Those who show us the reality of climate change right now are in this tradition of the prophets. When they speak of uncomfortable realities, we sometimes prefer to ignore them. They are often dismissed as prophets of doom rather than listened to as those bearing a vision of a different world. Their challenge is sometimes derided as guilt-making, and the real potential of their hope remains unexplored. And sometimes, in our denial or our despair, we do not listen well to the prophets or catch hold of their imaginative vision. But it is precisely these voices that we must listen to. I met one such prophet, Red Constantino, whilst visiting Christian Aid's work in the Philippines two years ago. 
We are very realistic in the way we approach the climate crisis. We have to name the beast, look at it straight in the eye, and proceed from there. In other words, as a country that has faced the tremendous burden of one part of climate impacts, we have often said, and we will say as often as necessary, that the extreme weather events that are likely climate-induced that have visited the Philippines are impacts that are likely due to emissions that took place two or three decades ago. What that means is that things will get worse before they get better because of impacts that we were not preventing right now. That is a horrible thing to say, but that is our reality. We have acted too late and we have not acted as we should. What we are fighting for now is the assurance that in two decades time, the kids of our children today will have a stable climate that may be more prosperous, more safe, filled with greater joy, and where solidarity is the only currency that matters. Around the world, communities are fighting back against the injustice of climate change. Standing up to vested interests, and getting on with building alternative ways of living and organizing. Dipti Bhatnagar in Mozambique and other climate justice campaigners, such as the Decolonize Campaign in Kenya, are calling for an end to projects such as Exxon's natural gas project and new coal mines in Kenya, South Africa, and other countries. While our governments in both the North and the South remain slow to act, the range and the energy of civil society is growing. Last week, 12,000 people came to London to demand more action from the UK government. And in Sweden, then 15-year-old Greta Thunberg started a solo protest that has become a global movement. It is still not too late to act. It will take a far-reaching vision. It will take courage. It will take fierce, fierce determination to act now to lay the foundations where we may not know all the details about how to shape the ceiling. In other words, it will take cathedral thinking. I ask you to please wake up and make the changes required possible. Dipti, Greta and Red, these are the voices that we should be seeking out, supporting and responding to. Friends, busy friends, busy and distracted friends, who will we allow to interrupt the complacency of our lives and put us on a new course towards a better future? Whose prophetic voices are we ignoring that will help us to create a new imagination of how the world could be? Will you find the time over the next few weeks to listen to creation, to listen to the earth, to listen to the voices that you usually ignore, to those living intimately with the impacts of a changing climate. And when you listen to the future, how will you respond? I am here waiting. We are in this together, face to face and eye to eye. I hold you in my hands as I am held in yours. We are made for each other. 
now. Open your eyes and tell me what you see.